In the holy name of Jesus. You wake up one morning with a terrible pain in your chest. You don't know why. Your muscles ache. They're so tight you can hardly get yourself out of bed. You immediately call your doctor. You leave a message, of course. And when he gets back to you, he says, you'd better come in for testing. How's today? He sounds concerned. You wake up one morning with terrible pain in your chest. But you remember that yesterday on a dare, you did a hundred push-ups in a row. Your muscles ache. They are tight and you can barely get yourself out of bed. But you don't call the doctor. You grab two or four or six ibuprofen and you gingerly go about the business of your day. You won't do a hundred push-ups today or this week probably, but you might try again, maybe start with 25 this time and work your way up from there. You can, you know, make some progress in that direction. Notice that the pain is the same in both stories and even the initial shock of it might be the same. But if you understand why it's happening and you can sort of envision the end of it, even like if it were an injury, right, and you really messed yourself up, you would realize if it was caused by push-ups, you could like go to the doctor, they can fix that, and you can still have like a a way forward. You can see what's going on inside you and the point of it. You can see how just maybe this will all work together for your good and for your even increased strength. Today Jesus gives four blessings and four woes. And he gets them, of course, exactly backwards, as often Jesus does. He blesses the poor and the hungry and the weeping and those who are hated, excluded, reviled, and those whose very names are spoken of as evil. And he pronounces woes, curses, upon those who are well-to-do, those who are filled with good things, and those who laugh, and those who everyone speaks well of. Now, which of us would have the boldness to say, if asked, that we would prefer to be poor instead of rich? Which of us would rather wonder where we were going to find our next meal than have a pantry full of food, half of it's expired already because we didn't even bother to eat it? And which of us would actually say that we would prefer to be spoken of as evil, as, you know, foolish, hidebound, as a person of ill repute, as opposed to being spoken well of by everyone. Jesus blesses all of the wrong things today, all of the hard things, all of the things that we spend our entire lives carefully trying to avoid. These things pain us. They concern and confuse us even before they happen to us. Right? Even if we're doing all right, they, the thought of it makes us afraid. I mean, think of it. If, if that's kind of you, if that doesn't, if those you know, beatitudes don't describe you, if you're not particularly poor, if you're not particularly sorry or sad today, um, and just imagine being reduced to that. Imagine, you know, the retirement fund that you've been building and assuming kind of for many years, just, you know, I don't know, for us it would be Concordia Plan calls up and says, you know, 
we got some news, right? So it's gone, right? Or the investment that you've been banking on, or the, your job, or your loved one that you depend upon, you wake up and they're gone. It's like waking up in the morning one day with terrible pain in your chest. And you, if you don't have any idea why this is happening to you, if you can't figure out where this is coming from, there will be panic and fear. But if you have some sense of what's going on, of where this is coming from, if you can see it as part of something bigger than you and bigger than your life and bigger than what you can kind of see, then you can meet the day at least with hope. And that's why Jesus blesses all of the wrong things today, why he blesses what he blesses, so that when it happens to you, and they, these things probably will, you will recognize the blessing of Jesus. Even if it surprises you to death, you can be assured that it did not surprise him. In fact, that he is working this for your good, for your eternal future, for your sanctification, and indeed for your salvation. Jesus blesses his hearers today on the plain in Luke's gospel, not by miraculously taking their troubles away. He doesn't say, blessed are the poor because, you know, shazam, you're not poor anymore. He does not magically bail them out of their troubles. But he calls them blessed because they, uniquely in this case, are poised to receive his kingdom. They have nothing else in this world to prize, nothing else to hold on to or trust in or to prefer to Jesus. They can, you know, for instance, they can sing that, that stanza of a mighty fortress with perfect honesty and take they our lives, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, our victory has been won, as Jesus says, the kingdom ours remaineth. The audience in our gospel today is a mixed multitude. There are apostles, then there are kind of a crowd of disciples, those who are following, actively following Jesus around, and then there's a, a greater crowd of kind of people who just come by to hear. And most likely, the poor and the hungry and the reviled people of which Jesus speaks are his apostles and disciples those who are kind of poor in this case and reviled because they are following Jesus. They have given up their money, given up their reputations, even given up perhaps their family relations for the sake of the kingdom that Jesus is preaching to them and the kingdom that Jesus promises to bring to them. They are not blessed simply by being poor. They are blessed by being poor and listening to Jesus, trusting Jesus. They prefer him to their wealth and to their food and even to their loved ones, and they are more concerned with what Jesus thinks about them than the opinions of men. And these things are written for our learning, of course. Jesus does not have a particular poverty line in mind for us, but he is warning us of a real danger. It is true that the more you have, the more you're tempted to trust in the things that you have. 
but we should not treat the things that belong to us as our security in life. We should not even treat them as if they are our own. We should not allow our possessions and our finances to define us because the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. As an aside, um, one of the kind of simple ways and perhaps less shocking ways that he takes away is in our tithes and offerings. A, a tithe is kind of like, is, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but it's kind of like paying rent. What does rent do? Or, or like what does a mortgage payment do on my house? It reminds me that the house is not actually mine. The house belongs to Wells Fargo. Uh, and, uh, and paying rent or paying a mortgage reminds me of that reality. And, and a tithe works in a more blessed way, but a similar way. It reminds us that our things are not ours, right? That God is the owner of all things, including all of our things, and that he graciously lends them to us for a time, however long that might be, uh, for us to be stewards of them for a time on earth. And as an aside to the aside, tithing is hard, is difficult. It, it, you know, it's not easy. And if it's not kind of where you are right now, at this point, consider sitting down with a budget and thinking about how, you know, it's, it's like push-ups. Don't do a thousand tomorrow, um, but think about how, how you might do 25 or, or whatever, how, how you might um, take time to work on it, just because it is a blessing to you to be reminded that all of your things are not your things. They instead belong to God. And think about what that means spiritually, but very practically for us. Think about it in this way. Some crook uh, you know, cons you out of your retirement plan, say. That person has actually, according to Jesus today, blessed you. Those who gossip about you, raise their eyebrows behind your back, uh, even tell lies about you, they have blessed you. Those who would foreclose on you and kick you out of your home and put you on the street have only, according to Jesus, redoubled your reward in heaven. Which is to say, no one in this world can do anything to harm you. All of your losses, all that you might suffer, all that you might be suffering, all that the world would use to revile you and take away your life, that life is hidden with Christ in God. That life will be resurrected. That life will be restored again. Indeed, it will be glorified even as our Lord Jesus is glorified as he lives and reigns to all eternity. These words from Jesus today shock the world. They turn everything around and it is because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, Jesus can bless the poor today because he has become the poor one. He can bless the ones who weep in this life because he was himself acquainted with grief. He can bless the reviled, those who have been lied about, because he was reviled and he opened up not his mouth. He has suffered for our sake in every way. 
And as he gives us today the fruit of his suffering, his holy body and precious blood, his forgiveness, life, and salvation, he turns this world upside down and backwards. He switches everything around. While everyone else around us is clamoring for wealth and easy laughter and the admiration of this world, we are blessedly relieved of those burdens. We do not have to keep up with our neighbors. We're not even playing their game. We do not have to pretend that everything is okay for us when it isn't. We do not have to worry about what they think of us. And when poverty and sorrow and hate do come upon us as inevitably they will, we can see through them They will not be the end of us. In fact, they will bless us. We will pass through them just like our Lord Jesus passed through his sorrow and pain and strife. He himself actually gives us these things, not to harm us or confuse us, but to give us his blessing. Because as Paul proclaims today in our epistle, Christ has been raised from the dead and he is only the first fruits. He is only the very beginning because you, through everything, will follow after him unto life everlasting. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.